is the moment you've all been waiting for. DC and RC. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. Louisiana. It's DC and RC. Hailing from Aurora, Louisiana. It's fight night. Catch a right hook in your right eye. Change how you look. Daniel, come again. And Ryan Clark, the champs are here. With battle scars, this warfare. Louisiana's in the air. From the railroad to Lafayette to Los Angeles to Times Square. I could go one show without you going, I'm Super Bowl champ. When the mic's on, it's showtime. DC and RC, we win in Super Bowls and Emmys. And Daniel got two belts around the belly. Oh, USC history! DC, two division champ. I ran the UFC. Cause we asking all, all the tough questions. This guy's the worst, I see. I don't know how you can do a show with DC, you broke my heart. This is MMA, mixed martial all stars. And we bout that grind and pound, so be on guard. And we going round for round, cause we want it all. But there can only be one in the octagon. DC and RC, DC and RC, DC and RC, ESPN, tune in to see. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. RC, I used to always play this game called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? We've talked about this. I just recently found out that Carmen Sandiego was the bad guy. She was actually the bad guy in the series. I had no idea. But every week I find myself wondering, where in the world is my boy, RC? So, R.C., where are you today? Are you in Bristol? Are you in New Jersey? Are you in Louisiana? Where are you right now? Today, I'm in Mount Laurel, New Jersey at NFL Films. Yesterday, Mm. they did us a solid. They did not make us go to Minnesota, Chicago to watch that awful ASS football game. So we did that in (laughs) Bristol. I was in New York yesterday morning, bro. Like, I just love moving around, though. This weekend, I'll be in Jacksonville because the Monday night game is there for the Jaguars. And then we just do it all over again. What I'm really waiting for, bro, is the offseason so I can hit these UFC events with my boy. Absolutely. And I see your videos. The hardest... First man up, last man going to bed every single night. Man, that's, it's a beautiful message of how a hardworking man <laughs> makes his living. RC, coming up Appreciate on the show, we're going to talk about Islam Makachev. He had a very strong message over the course of the weekend. He did an interview. We will talk about UFC Austin. We'll be joined by Bobby Green. We also get joined by Kayla Harrison a little later in the show off of her last win in the PFL And as always, we tap in the tap out. But RC, this week is Jimmy V week. It's a very important week for ESPN. It's a very important week for cancer research and everything else. We have long been doing this now at ESPN, and the UFC has truly embraced it. It is the fifth Fight Like Hell Fight Night, Stuart Scott Memorial Fight Night that the UFC has held. What did Stuart Scott mean to you, RC? We spoke about it a little bit last year, but what he meant to you as a broadcaster, as an athlete, and as a man, a black man that works in this field in the world of uh, entertainment and in the world of television. Well, I mean, honestly, DC, Stuart Scott is the reason you can do TV the way that you do it. It's the reason I can do TV the way that I do it. Stuart Scott was able to bring his own flavor, his own flair to Sports Center, which we had seen for so long. And he did that unapologetically so, but with so much grace, poise, composure, and respect for what his job was, respect for the profession. And the thing I loved about Stuart Scott was the way that he embraced and respected athletes, but also the way that athletes embraced and respected him. He became a voice of our culture, a voice of our community, that was accepted because he did his job with such excellence. And not only did he do his job with excellence, he lived with excellence. And he said that cancer wasn't going to beat him by taking his life, that he was going to beat cancer by the way that he lived. And I think the way that he lived is an inspiration to us all and was an inspiration to us all and continues to be to this day. And so for me, man, Stuart Scott is irreplaceable for what he meant for me as a player, getting an opportunity to watch him and hoping that one day Stuart Scott spoke about me like some of the people 
I saw him speak about, but also now as a broadcaster and analyst and a host that you can only hope to aspire to be a small piece of what Stuart Scott is and continue to keep his name alive because he truly deserves that as one of the legends to sit in these seats. Absolutely. And you know, Ryan, one of the things that really stood out to me about Stuart Scott was the personality, was the swag, was the way he did represent the culture. But he never allowed for you to think that he was a joke because he was always yeah. so prepared. Just because he was having fun didn't mean that he wasn't as professional as anyone sitting yep. to his left or sitting to his right. He was so ready to speak on any type of topic because he took his job with so serious. He was a master yep. of this art, and in so many ways, I try to replicate what he does on television. So while I am joking, I am still ready. I am still prepared. You can see this side of me, and you can see the prepared side of me because of what Stuart Scott did and showing that you can have both sides of the broadcaster. It did not have to be like those nightly news shows, Ryan, that we would see where it's, yeah. it's 5.05 p.m. on the East Coast and there's rain in this place. It was like, come on, man. We don't have to be that buttoned up. We can have fun while we do this. Yeah. And that's what Stuart Scott showed. And Stuart Scott was also one of the guys that embraced mixed martial arts at a very, very yes, early did. stage. I remember seeing him with Chris Weidman and them inside the octagon outside of ESPN and he just loved the sport. He was a guy that spent time doing the sport, learning the sport, and just trying to prepare. And he really did find strength in that, even when he was in the midst of one of the biggest battles that he ever could have experienced. And so we do the fight like hell night. This is the fifth time the UFC has done that. Ryan, I lost my dad to cancer. And I remember sitting in Washington, D.C. a few years ago with Paul Felder, who also lost his father to cancer, and crying. The UFC has embraced this wholeheartedly and has become a real advocate for this cause. That's one thing I really do tip my hat to for the UFC and ESPN, making something so important feel so important, and they're doing exactly that this weekend, RC, with a massive fight card from Austin. But the Fight Like Hell fight night comes again this year, and I'm always so honored to be a part of it. On this main card, RC, you have... Benil Darius taking on Armand Sarukian. You got Jalen Turner taking on Bobby Green on very short notice. Rob Font takes on Davison Figueredo, who is going up to 135 pounds for the first time. Look at that fight at welterweight. Sean Brady taking on Kelvin Gaslam. Dude, yes, this fight card is absolutely bananas, Ryan. And one of the guys that is one of the headliners, he fights in the co-main event, it's King Bobby Green. So it's time to go one round with Bobby Green. Bobby Green, how you doing, my brother? What's up, big dog? What's going on with you? <laughs> Good, baby. DC, Bobby, you said why you call that man last... by his whole name, go though? Ahead. Like, what you doing? Why would you, oh, yeah. when you say Bobby Green? What's yeah. happening? You don't even hit my boy with a BG. <laughs> You're not like, what's up, Bobby? It's like, Bobby no, no, Green, no. how you doing? No, no, no. What you... Yeah, I'm not messing with I'm not messing with Bobby like that. I ain't messing with Bobby like that. I've known Bobby since King of the Cage, bro. Me and Bobby was two broke brothers fighting in New Mexico way back in the day. And Bobby always <laughs> carried his belt. It's great to see Bobby doing great things. Hey, Bobby, last week you lost your opponent originally, Dan Hooker. You said, yes, give me a gangster to step up. Did you expect it to be someone like Jalen Turner? No, no, no. Out of all the guys that raised their hand, he wasn't the one of the guys that raised their hand. So I wasn't expecting him at all. I was expecting all these guys that were actually asking for it. But uh, I'll take whatever they give me. You know, Bobby, you look at this fight and, you know, you were preparing to fight Dan Hooker. Now you're fighting Jalen Turner, who we've seen in the octagon with Dan. What are some of the issues that presents when having to adjust to a fighter with such a different fight style than the guy you were preparing for? Um, I really don't pay too much attention to all that at the end of the day. I'll look at it more like fighting is a what if I just ran into you in a backyard, you know? What if we just ran each other in the club and we have a fight? You just gotta fight. And so more so than thinking about how you're going to get prepared, you just look at it like a fight, and it's going to play the way it plays out. Bobby, you know, one thing that I just said earlier was that we knew each other from King of the Cage, Strike Force. We have all this connective tissue, and I have always watched you have an ability to make people relate to you. So when you hit mm -hmm. the curtain 
No matter where we are, Bobby, people go crazy. Generally, that's not the case, right? Because you're a bit, you can be a bit brash and you're like fun. <laughs> Did you ever expect the crowd to start to take to you in the way that they have? Being that you talk in the octagon, you point at people. I, I see you almost like you are from you are who you are. You are a black guy. You're you're not really trying to hide that. You have a personality and you live with it. But the crowd has seemed to be drawn to you. Did you expect that? Um, man, it's just real, you know, it's in your face. I'm, I'm the last of the real OGs, you know, and I think the crowd finally gets it, you know. I've been waiting years for this, you know, and it's finally starting to happen. So just being in the moment, from the moments I come back from the curtains to the time that I go back under the curtains, it's a show. And so I think that the fr- crowd finally gets it. Like, I'm a, I feel like I'm a rapper and shit. I come out and I do this different thing than everybody else does. <laughs> And, you know, like D.C. mentioned this, and we often talk about the culture of fighting and how you can stand out if you be authentic to yourself. But let's get a bit into your 2023. Like you start the year off with a loss, but then you have a great performance against Tony Ferguson. You knock out Grant Dawson, and now you're about to fight again against Jalen Turner. What has made you want to be so active this year? And how have you turned around and found success after losing to Islam Mahachev and Jared Gordon? Um, first of all, the Jared Gordon fight was a no contest from a headbutt. And I actually wanted Jared Gordon to be the guy to step up so we can go and finish our business. But that didn't happen. Um, Islam, I took on 10 days notice after just getting into a fight a week or so before that. And so people always look at wins and losses and they don't see what really happened behind it, you know? Um, and then to be honest, it's, it's really five fights in a year, in a year span. You forgot about Drew Dober too. I've actually fought too. So in five fights, in a 12 year span, nobody's doing this, especially at my age. Like DC's telling you, Hey, he started when I was back around doing it. He's gone now. He's retired. I'm still doing this at, at the highest level, fighting the uh, the most amount of fighters, you know, seeing the most active, as old as I am. I'm still out here putting it out here and doing this that nobody else wants to do at this level. Bobby, mm. when, you, when you beat Grant Dawson last fight, and I spoke about this on the broadcast, we had had, opportun- you had, had opportunities to fight these guys, right, these moments to get inside the rankings, and you did it emphatically. You finished him. I went to that octagon with you afterwards, and we did a post-fight interview, and it was always gratitude. For you, it's always gratitude to the people around you, the guys that have been with you since day one. To get that big... Bobby, my call was, Bobby did it. That's what I said. Oh, my God, Bobby did it. Right? Because we had seen you have those opportunities before. Yeah, fired up. What did it feel like to deliver on that moment? when you had chances to get a kid that was talking about championships and you put him out in the first round? Um, it's just a blessing, you know? Everything is, I call my style poetry in motion. I just wanted to be beautiful to watch, you know? And everybody and kind of enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm just here to be gracious and, and thankful for everything I get, you know? And this sport, it's the toughest sport on the planet. And so you could be injured tomorrow. This thing could end tomorrow. And so... I live it in the moment, and I, and I go through everything I go through for just the day. I can't think about tomorrow. I can't think about that. I just got to be thankful for today. And so I'm thankful for everything that's ever happened in this game and just sucking it all in. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to talk about the future too much. I know you're thinking about today, but I want to talk about Saturday. You mentioned getting a gangster to step up. I feel like Jalen Turner is that type of dude, and we already know what sort of energy you're on every time you get into the octagon. This is a great fight card. What can we expect from you once you step into the cage? What you can expect from me is fireworks, a lot of somebody getting hit, you know, smooth, slick, uh, just different from everybody else. That's what I'm trying to do is separate myself from everybody else. I'm not trying to be like y'all. I'm trying to be like me, you know? And, and I don't hope I don't come off cocky or arrogant. I just try to do something a little bit different. That's it. Yep. Bobby, Bobby, but listen, you are unapologetically you, and that's what you've yeah. always been. And Bobby, from the apex last time, 
Now you fight in front of a crowd that's going to be crazy. And if you come out to the song, last time Bobby come out to that song, ski, and then when he left, they, they, they called me oh, Bobby. Oh, that's going hard, though. Bobby, man, hey, hey, he came out. Oh, Bobby shit. come out to Sexy Red, and then he leave to Bobby Schmurder. I mean, come on, Bobby Green. What's going on, man? Man, I know. Everybody wants me to keep coming out to that song, and I'm like, 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 now it seems like it's my song. I'm like, no, nah, I just played it once. Like, I'm a guy that I'll do something. I'm going to keep kind of popping these new, new things off depending upon where we are. And we're in Texas, and, yeah. and Texas is giving me the first time that, th that it went crazy was in Texas. So this one's special for Texas. I'm going to do something that's Texas, you know, just something that's for them and not for, like, me. Like, yeah. Ski, it was just something funny that I was trying to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's dope. My man. Well, good luck this weekend, brother. Thank you for joining us. I day, appreciate you. It's an honor to be on the show. Thank you guys so much. And hey, keep killing it out there. Ugh. <laughs> Let's go. RC, Bobby Green, come out to that sexy red. Ski. Play the Apex went crazy, RC. <laughs> but DC, isn't it crazy that that song by Sexy Red has become like a hype up song for violent sports? Yes. Like they 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 oh playing sexy, they playing ski before like football games, bro. And like they yes, got like high bro, school, yes, like college crazy. guys and like NFL guys vibing to that song, mm. like it was like it was written by Hove back in the day. Like I think yeah. like that Dude makes crazy. like talking to Bobby. That's my first time getting a chance to interact with him. Dude is intense. Like as as chill yes, and laid back as he is, you can tell he's laser focused on doing the job. And you know he mentioned the Drew Dober fight, the no contest to Jared Gordon. But I think to be able to say, when you lose Dan Hooker, I want a gangster to step up, right? He wasn't, because I think he knows it's, it's two things. One, you don't want somebody that's going to come in there and give you a quote-unquote boring fight, you know, by, I guess, grappling and wrestling and taking the down yep. to the mat. But to take a fight on such short notice against someone as experienced as Bobby Green is, someone who's been in the octagon with people at the level that Bobby Green has, you just got to be a gangster to accept it. And so I'm excited that it's Jalen Turner, and I look forward to seeing these two dudes. When you look at the stylistic matchup, where these dudes are in their career, DC, who do you think has the edge headed into Saturday? I think it's, I think it's a phenomenal fight, you know, very rarely, RC, do you get a fight that replaces a fight that you could be more excited about. Now, granted, Dan Hooker has completely changed the narrative on who we thought he was. We thought he was done a couple years ago. The dude fought last time with a broken arm, and he's, a, he's an absolute savage, so you know that would have been fun. But when you look at Jalen Turner and the height and his ability to be creative, to be loose inside the octagon, and you put him in there with Bobby Green... We are in store for something that's going to be explosive because you don't have guys that are going to be trying to wrestle. We thought Grant Dawson was going to try to take Bobby down, so that was the talk all week. Notice that in that entire interview, Bobby never spoke about wondering whether or not it was going to be fun because he knows that it's going to be fun. Yeah. That is a fight yeah. that regardless of how many times you matched him up, Jalen Turner versus Bobby Green will always deliver. My question right. is, though, or my thought as I try to process the matchup is, how does Bobby manage all that distance? Because Jalen Turner is tall. He's called the tarantula for long. a reason, bro. Dude's got to be about 6'2", 6'3". He's yep. so long. So how does Bobby manage that, especially knowing that Bobby does his best work with his hands? He's not a guy that's kicking much. Bobby has a wrestling yeah. background. He doesn't use it very often. But how does he manage all that distance with his boxing? Being that Jalen Turner is a very good boxer himself, but also a guy that's so tall and so long. But I tell you this much. I was in New York City for the last UFC pay-per-view, and Jalen Turner was there for a monster appearance. And he was kind of just living. So it's not like he was preparing for a fight. He's taking this right. fight on very short notice. Now you got number 12 versus number 13 in a fight that is right. guaranteed to be absolute banger from Austin. Yeah. On a fight card, Ryan, that's as good as a fight night as we've had for a real long time. Bro, this is one of the best fight night cards, in, in my opinion, that we've ever had. I think the reason that this doesn't get an opportunity to be pay-per-view is because we're not fighting for a belt 
at any moment. But this is a great fight card. And I think Jake just told me uh, Jalen Green's reach is 77 and Bobby's 71. And so that's a lot of distance to try to figure out. And I think if you go back to the Dan Hooker fight, if I'm not mistaken, Jalen, I believe, hurt his arm with a kick. Or no, not a kick. He, uh, he kicked Dan Hooker, and Dan Hooker had to recover from yep. that kick. And so he can also use not only his, his striking with his, with his hands, but he's a guy who does utilize the kick inside the octagon. And so Bobby Green is going to have to try to figure out ways to maneuver and get in range without taking too much damage. And I think that'll be fun to watch just in kind of the matchup of figuring out who gets the edge there. But you heard Bobby Green mention Islam Mahachev and the champ, Pound for pound, number one had this to say: "I'm planning to fight until I'm, I'm planning to fight until Ramadan. Evening of March 10th is when it is. I would like to have time to do three fights in 2024." And so, when you hear what Islam Mahachev is saying, it says to me that he wants to be active. DC, what sort mm -hmm. of path or what sort of opponents could you see Islam? headed to face in 2024? So there's three guys, right? I think it's a matter of how does Islam want to approach this year? He said that he wants to fight in the first uh, part of the year, the first quarter, right? January, February, March. March works. Saudi Arabia. There's a fight card there. It makes all the sense in the world. I think you get Charles Oliveira versus Islam Mahachev number two. Then... You got to imagine Islam Mahachev is going to want to fight in that second quarter. But you got to think about Ramadan. During Ramadan, it would be so hard, Ryan, to think in that month that you'd be training to prepare for something. So you imagine you'll get Islam at some point in the summer. But then Abu Dhabi is usually in October. They usually want to keep those yeah. guys there. I think you get Islam versus Charles. Then I think Justin Gaethje, who has told me in our personal lives that he's going to wait for Islam Mahachev. He's not going to fight. He's going to wait for his title fight. You get Gaethje. That third fight to me, Ryan, is the one that I am a bit kind of torn on. Because if you're thinking star power and you're trying to build Mahachev as the biggest star, you stick him in there with a Dustin Poirier, who at that point would have hopefully fought at UFC 300, got a victory, and is in line for a title fight. But if you're talking pure skill in this pure truth to the sport. If Armand Sarukian is able to get yes. through his fight, that might yeah. be the fight by the end of the year where it might be the most difficult fight for Islam Mahachev. Because when those guys fought before, while Islam did win 30 to 27, it was probably the most competitive fight he had over the course of his UFC career because Sarukian gave him a whole ton of problems back in Moscow way back in the day. So, Star yeah. power, Dustin Poirier. Quality, if Sarukian is still rocking and rolling, I would think Armand Sarukian at the end of the year. Well, obviously, if you look at this fight card on Saturday, Armand Sarukian will get his opportunity against Benil Dariush, who is coming off of that loss to Charles Oliveira. But you gave us some of the who's that could be possible. I'm just happy you didn't bring up Conor McGregor again and then everybody in the, <laughs> the UFC world who had to be like, RC, I'm so glad <laughs> that you checked DC coming up with all this stuff being on Islam's payroll. But more importantly than the who he's fighting, when you say the win, if he's trying to collect three fights in 2024, is it more about where they, they'll be fighting or more about how soon he can get back into the octagon considering he didn't take any damage fighting Alexander Volkanovsky in his last title defense? You know, RC, the problem is with that is like these cards kind of fill up, right? You already got the first three pay-per-views of the year. You have the January fight card that's already scheduled. You have the February fight card that's already scheduled. You have the March fight card that's already scheduled. You have title fights already done for the first quarter of the year. I think I'm not exactly sure who's fighting in January, February, and March, but who, who's fighting? Got, Jay, get in my ear and tell me who's fighting in Toronto. I know that it's a... Uh, it's, Strickland Duplessis, and then you have Volkanovski yep. versus uh, Ilya Taporia, and then in March yep. I think that's O'Malley versus. But you have O'Malley uh, and Cheeto. So you got yep. yes. 
So you already got three, right, through the first three months of the year. Saudi Arabia, first time going there. So you could have Islam there with a title fight on a fight night. That would still work because it's not like it's real big pay-per-view stuff over there. But it's a matter of finding time in the schedule. You got you to gotta remember, UFC 300 is coming up in April. That's going to be a blowout. Yeah. So whatever champions that are not on UFC 300, they have something. to be ready to turn and burn Yep, as you go yeah. into the summer. So I imagine we'll see Islam in the summer, then we'll see him again in the fall. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, and I mean, you know this and I know this, ain't nobody worried about seeing Islam Mahachev. The real fight is Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler. That's the fight that's going to get the UFC 300. That's the fight that's going to get the fight card that it wants. So you tell me, like being honest, DC, how much does Conor Michael Chandler factor into the win and the who that Islam is fighting? Because we know that Islam comes far down the pecking order from my guy Conor. <laughs> Let me look, man. Again, I I tried not to say Conor McGregor because I said for star building, obviously Dustin Poirier because he's still winning at that level. But if Conor McGregor does beat Michael Chandler impressively, there will be a world where people will start to call for Conor McGregor to possibly yes. get a championship fight. And I will tell you with one hundred percent certainty. Islam Mahachev will not be against that. And while Islam Mahachev said he wants to fight three times, if Conor McGregor fights in April and they say, hey, Islam, your next fight's against Conor for the belt, but it has to be in October, Mahachev will look at that pay-per-view potential and go, guys, I'm okay with fighting two times this year. <laughs> because there's just such a massive difference. He hasn't fought three times difference. since 2021. He hasn't fought yeah, three that, times since it 2021. Doesn't he could, though. But he could, though, RC. Especially if he's able to to compete and dominate in the way that he has. You can't. He right. fought two times this year. He fought at the end of the he fought in October of the year before to become the champion. So he's had a very active schedule. Think about this, RC. It was a 12-month period in which he fought three times. He fought in October and Abu Dhabi became champ. He fought in February against Volkanovski the first time. He fought in Abu Dhabi the second time against Volkanovski. So it was 12 months when he fought three times. So he can carry the schedule. It's just a matter of who will be the opponent if he's continuing to win, especially in the way that he has. RC, he's dominant. He's a very dominant yeah. fighter. What's something that works so well? That it's basically magic. Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U S and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dcrc. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, Poured. It was green and good! 
Loved. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another dominant fighter and one of our favorite guests is Kayla Harrison. She talk her talk, RC. She is not afraid to tell you that she's great. She's a two-time Olympic champ. She's a PFL champ. She has done so many great things. Last weekend, she fought against Aspen Ladd in the PFL, and she won. After the fight, she had this to say. And thank God for PFL. Thank you, PFL. I'm able to provide for my family. They're never going to want again. I'm blessed for that. But now it's time for me to provide for me. I'm excited. PFL just acquired Bellator. I heard there's a girl in Bellator who thinks she's a bad bitch. Well, why don't we find out? It's time to go one okay. round with the great Kayla Harrison. Okay, Kayla. Every time Kayla's yeah. on this show, we like, okay, Kayla, okay, okay. Yeah. Kayla, so you're talking about Chris Cyborg. <laughs> you're talking about Chris Cyborg after the fight, yeah. saying she says she's a bad bitch. Let's do this. She responds, I'm a woman, not a Kayla, how disappointing was it that she didn't take the tee up? I mean, you laid it up there for her, like, yo, let's make money. This is a chance for us to make money. How disappointed were you that she didn't take the layup? Oh, I mean, you know, I wasn't surprised. There, she only talks shit when we're in different promotions and, there, and there's somewhere to hide, you know? But now that we're under the same roof, I feel she's going to get real quiet real fast. So I'm not surprised. I mean, I don't even want to talk about her because I feel like every time I do, it's just like jinxing it. We've been talking about this fight since before I made my MMA debut. I'm 17 fights in now. So um, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen soon. But I, I don't have much faith in her. It's kind of crazy because nobody calls out Chris Cyborg. Easy fight. (laughs) <laughs> Kayla, you've been so dominant in your in your career, and you know for so long you had that zero in the loss column. What was it like trying to rebound from your first loss? I mean, honestly, I think that it was probably one of the best things to happen in my career um, for me. You know, I think that God's God's in control and. I was on a very kind of crash course of burning myself out, burning the candle at both ends. I was fighting four times a year. I adopted two kids. I'm a single mom. I was trying to be the perfect mom, the perfect fighter, the perfect daughter, the perfect sister, the perfect teammate. And, you know, last year when I got to the finals, I just had nothing left in the tank. And Mm. it was wasn't because I didn't want to win. It wasn't because I didn't train hard. It wasn't because I didn't take her seriously. It was just, I simply had, had burnt myself out. And when I lost, I had to get real still and real quiet and kind of sit with myself and figure out who I was and what I wanted to do and what would happen if I wasn't Kayla Harrison, you know, MMA fighter anymore. Could I still be happy? Could I still have joy? Could, Could I still be lovable? And yeah, 
I really realized that like fighting is what I do, but it's not who I am. And I had not maybe made that distinction before. Honestly, everything changed. I came home from my fight and my daughter goes to therapy and I checked in with her therapist and I said, you know, she was at the fight. Is she okay? Is she, you know, help me be a parent because I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and my, the Miss Laura was like, oh, are you, you know, I said, we talked about it and she said she got to go to New York City and they had, you know, Thanksgiving in New York and they went to Central Park and she got to eat pizza and she went to the top of the Empire State Building and I said, and what about the fight? And she said, oh yeah, my mom had a fight. She lost. And then we came home and we had ice cream and like, <laughs> she didn't care, you know, she didn't care yeah. that I lost. She cares that I'm her mom and I show up for her. And it had never occurred to me that I could um, be loved no matter what. So that kind of changed everything for me. You know, you mentioned that it changed everything for you. How has it changed things and has it changed them for the better? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I just think that I love what I do, right? I feel like God put this desire in my heart and he gave me these gifts and I get great joy out of going to the gym every day, you know, talking a little shit, uh, punching people in the face. But I do believe that now I have a balance. You know, I'm a mother. Um, I'm, I come home, I spend time with the kids. I'm not in camp back to back to back to back. Um, so I have the freedom and the space to be both, you know, I guess technically a lover and a fighter. And my life is full of joy now. You know, I get to do what I love every day for money and I get to spend good time and, and be present and, and be with my children. I'm so supported. You know, I have amazing group of people around me from my coaches to my friends, my family my church family, like I just, I have a really blessed life and I have a lot of peace now that I kind of let go of this um, need to be perfect. Um, well, I have a newfound peace and I think it's made me an even da more dangerous fighter because I kind of just go in there and I got the flow a little bit, you know? That's amazing. Kayla, it's fun to be able to do all that stuff, you know, to release all that, to be free. You got a lot of great people, a lot of you know, support and a lot of money. And when you got a lot of money, it's much easier to kind of be at peace and to be good. Let me tell you, let me tell you one more thing, Kayla Harrison, Kayla Harrison. One thing that I noticed when you were in the octagon the other day, you're much slimmer, right? You're much slimmer. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you're Ripped not carrying up. as much muscle inside the octagon. You're more ripped. Still got it. They don't have one Hey, they don't they don't they don't have 145 in other fight organizations. Kayla, there's a little Tweety Bird all around the world that said that you're in free agent. What are we looking at, Kayla Harrison, in terms of the free agency? Because while you got a lot of money now, you seem to be mm -hmm. in line to make even more money. What do you think about being yeah. a free agent, having options now with the PFL mm. and Bellator together? And obviously maybe taking a look at the UFC. Yeah. Um, to, to be honest with you, I haven't thought about it a lot. My goal was to have a fight this year and to get back inside the cage and, and feel good, get the ring rust off. Um, you know, the, the fight ended up being at a catch weight because it was a short notice uh, opponent change. So it was at 150, but I didn't have to cut any weight at all. I dieted down. Um, you know, I had breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack the day before weigh-ins and I said, you know what, guys, let's just go to bed. We'll wake up and cut whatever we have to cut. And I woke up and I was on weight. So I'm really glad that the discipline paid off. Um, I hired a weight cut specialist. You talk about money, money, money. I am very blessed, you know, um, and I'm really grateful for that. But I also know my worth. And I think that that's an important piece of fighting. You know, I know my worth. I know my value. And that's why I got your boy Ali you know, he knows my worth, too, yeah. and I'm sure that he's going to go out and he's going to make sure that that I get my worth. Yeah, Kayla, you know, it's a, it is it is about knowing your worth. But in order to get to a worth that 
gives you mm -hmm. an opportunity to be wanted, you have to earn it. And you've done that. You've done that in your Thank Olympic you. career. You've done that as a mixed martial artist. What is it that you are still looking to do that continues to keep you motivated? No, I mean, I think that I just still have a lot left. You know, I still, I don't feel like I'm the best, the best possible version that I can be inside of the cage yet. And I want, I love it. You know, I want to keep fighting. I want to be the best. I want um, to use my platform to change the world. I, I don't have, you know, I think that I have a big name in our sport, but I don't think I have a, a, a worldwide reach yet. And that's what I right. want. You know, I want to be um, remembered and mm -hmm. I want to share my story and I want to change people's lives and I want to punch the best people in the world in the face. Like, but I don't that's the thing fight, though, Kayla. You know, but Kayla, that's yep, the thing, yep, though. Yep. You know, you're mentioning about having that worldwide name and brand. In order to you know do what that, you got to have the biggest fight. You know what I said? You got to have the biggest promotion. You got to have the people push you that put your names amongst the great. We just lost Amanda Nunes. She retired. There was a reason that she was oh, looked man. at the way she was and promoted the way she was. Kayla, we got to go make you some bake. Let's get Ali on the phone and get these things done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I feel like um the time is now. The time is now. I, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to be great. You know, I had a year off. Um I handled my business. I I, I kind of found myself. I had a little bit of a, a soul searching year. And this is it. This is what I love to do. This is what I want to do. I feel like this is my purpose. Aside from being a mom, um, this is my purpose. So I want to do it. I'm ready. Hey Kayla, first I see you there. I see you there hugging Flavor Flav, who had one of the I most know. beautiful <laughs> national anthem renditions of all time at the Milwaukee no, Bucks game. I absolutely no, loved it. Oh, he sounded I so good, Kayla. But let me ask you this, Kayla. <laughs> he <laughs> he sounded good. But Kayla, in the UFC, if that is where mm -hmm. you end up, there are women mm -hmm. that talk their talk too. At 135, one being a Juliana Pena. Before there was a whole bunch of issues with you and Amanda Nunes, I thought that would have made for a beautiful story. Two teammates Man. having the fight. Mm -hmm. I love Messi. That's been established for a really long time. But she's <laughs> gone now. So it would be some of these other women. You look at the UFC Bantamweight division, whereas where you would have to fight at 135, is there anyone that pops off the page where you go, man, that would make for a real fun build? And a real fun fight because, boy, yeah. if it was you and Juliana Pena, the stuff that y'all would talk Ooh. to each other, <laughs> for a messy guy like me, I would absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that'd be a great fight. You know, she's uh, she's not afraid to speak her mind. She she talks a big talk. She thinks very highly of herself. I don't know why, but she does. So I think that'd be a great fight. But listen, I'm not I'm not a free agent yet. You know, the PFL and Ali, I know, are working on stuff. There is a cyborg potential there. Um, I'm not trying to stir the pot. You know, I did that free agency thing two years ago. And yeah. you, may, you may like messy DC, but holy shit, it is exhausting. Oh, I, <laughs> I oh, know God. it is. I don't, I do, huh? he like, he's a big drama show, huh? Like, it's, oh my God. No, hey, hey, let me say something. You don't know, Kayla. Kayla. I sit on my porch in my rocking chair. <laughs> I sit on my porch in my rocking chair and I look at I your house. Then I look at Juliana house and I go talk. So I say, oh, Juliana, you wouldn't believe what Kayla said about you. Then I go to Juliana on cyborg <laughs> and I say, boy, you wouldn't believe what she said. I'm constantly starting stuff. <laughs> Kayla, thank you for joining us. 100%. We appreciate your time. We, we appreciate your greatness, man, and we look forward to thank seeing you, whatever Kayla. happens. I get, I get what you're saying, Kayla. I know we're in that, that exclusive negotiating period with the company. We can't see too much one way or the other. I get it, Kayla Harrison, but thank you again for joining <laughs> us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kayla. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Stay yeah. out of trouble. I would say stay out of trouble. RC, you just let me tell you power. something, man. Love having Kayla Harrison on the show. She is a phenomenal fighter. She is a phenomenal mom. And, bro, she knows how to build a fight. And she knows what she's doing right now as she's on the verge yeah, of Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. That's what I was about to say. Kayla, she says she don't want to stir the pot, D.C., but she's stirring the pot a little bit. She's throwing us some alley-oops, yeah, yeah. and she's just letting me and you yep. dunk it. I will also tell you this. If I had arms like Kayla Harrison, I wouldn't wear shirts with sleeves strong. either, D.C., 
She made me want. I gotta get back in the gym and get right. Yeah, she's strong. That's all like judo her whole life, bro. She won two Olympic gold medals, which is actually (laughs) impossible to do. I tried. I actually tried to win the Olympics. It's impossible to do, man. It's time to tap in the tap off, man. Let's go. go. Hey, guys. Saturday's main event pits Benil Dariush against Armin Saryukian. Benil recently said he was offered Dustin Poirier, but the fight didn't come together. He also said he believes Armin is a tougher fight for him than Dustin. DC, tap in or tap out. Armin is a tougher fight for Benil than DP. Um, I, you, know what, you know what's crazy about this one? And I, I got to kind of tap out, but with a little bit of a, 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 an ex- explanation. Dustin Poirier has or would seem to be an easier fight because he doesn't really use his grappling as much. He's okay just striking, and we know that Benil Darius possesses that ability. But if Benil takes Dustin down, Dustin is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt also. He's a great grappler. But I get what he's saying. We saw Saruki in, bro, and I always point to his fight with Mahachev. But it's constant. He's had a number of great fights that have been just phenomenal. And I think that that dude at some point will work his way back to fighting Islam. So I tap out because I know that Dustin is a great grappler, but I do get what Benil's saying. Yeah, um, I tap out as well because I think when you're talking about Dustin Poirier, we're talking about a guy that has seen the highest of highs and is one of the best we have in the UFC. But we also have to think about Sarukian and what he did do against Islam Mahachev. We have seen both of these men against Gamrot as well, Armand Sarukian losing that fight. But I think when you look at this matchup stylistically, it presents some problems from Benil Dariush. And that's what I think he was alluding to when speaking of the fight against Sarukian as compared to Dustin Poirier. Hi, guys. Anthony Smith is stepping up to the plate and taking on Khalil Roundtree on short notice, December 9th in Las Vegas. Anthony is currently ranked 8th, while Khalil is ranked 11th. RC, tap in or tap out, Anthony taking this fight on short notice against an opponent behind him in the rankings. Here's why, here's why I tap in. You know, we haven't seen Anthony be at his best or at his peak in his last few fights. And so getting an opportunity to step up and fight Khalil, it shows the organization that you're still willing to put it out there, that you're still willing to get inside the octagon with anyone. And it gives him an opportunity to improve on some of the performances we've seen from him recently. You know, I I tap in because his last fight, I thought that the fight that it takes inside the octagon to be relevant at the highest levels I didn't know if Anthony still had that in him. And I told him this at the Apex last time I saw him. I said, bro, I didn't know you still had that in you. But in his last fight, I can't remember who he was fighting against. He fought back in the second round, in the third round, and he got it done. So I was like, well, he still does have it. And if you're looking at matchups and people to fight on short notice behind you, Khalil Roundtree is as good a matchup for Anthony that you can really find inside of the UFC in terms of style. So uh, I think Anthony Smith's making the right decision. Recently, Wyoming Wrestling held a special event called Battle in the Barn, where they hosted a wrestling event inside a barn. DC, tap in or tap out sports taking place inside a barn? I tap in on the wrestling match taking place inside the barn. And I honestly saw people online, some of them were like, oh, it's actually wrestling in a barn. I never thought they would do wrestling in a barn like it wasn't good. I think that you got to take chances And that's one of the things wrestling never does. We don't take chances. So they took a chance, and Mark Branch, who is the head coach at the University of Wyoming, it looked amazing. It literally looked like it was a movie. So for me, it looked tremendous. Now, I know I'm a wrestling guy, so some people might think it's skewed a little bit. But I thought when you look at these pictures, man, it looks great, and I think you got to take chances if you're wrestling. You know, I tap in because... You want to get someone other than the Daniel Cormier's of the world interested in wrestling. When I see that visual, that reminds me, and I know it's not the same sport, that reminds me of the Karate Kid, that reminds me of Bloodsport, the Kumite, where you have these very close individual matchups between these people with these great backgrounds that provide these amazing visuals, and I thought that was extremely cool. I tap all the way in on wrestling, stretching the boundaries of what the sport is, and trying to bring in new fans. It can't just always be a gym with a wrestling mat in the middle of it with yeah. people around. It just it just can't. It's got to be something more. All right, guys, last one. Saturday on ABC, D.C.'s Oklahoma State 
takes on Texas yeah, for the Big it. 12 championship. Yep. Currently, Oklahoma State you are heavy underdogs. You know what it is. Oklahoma you State are heavy underdogs. DC, tap in, or tap, tap in or tap out. Your Cowboys you know can pull the upset. We tapping in. We tapping in. Now we pulling the upset. Or Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon is the best running back in all of college football. He went to coach. Ryan, look at this. The young man walked in the coach's office and said, Coach, give me a chance. We had just got blown out by South Alabama. He said, Coach, give me an opportunity. Give me a chance to help this team. Next thing you know, we've won six in a row. We're in the Big 12 championship. And most importantly, RC, and look at me move my neck to the side like that, like those old women. You know, you've seen them before. Oklahoma University. The Bedlam, it don't matter that y'all beat us 90 out of 100. We won the last one. Take that to the SEC with y'all. Take that L. Go to the SEC and get beat on by LSU and Alabama and Georgia while we continue to live in the Big 12. So, yes, Corporate Jake, we can pull the upset because like Ollie Gordon said, Coach, give me the rock and I'm going to take us to the promised land. Let's go, Pokes. Let's go. I, I, tap, I tap in as well. We've watched Texas give teams opportunities to stay in the game. And if the Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State can stay in the game and keep this close, they have a, a runner that is a finisher. We saw him do it last week. We've seen him do it throughout the entire season. And this is as much of the opportunity for them to win as it is Texas. So I ain't even mad at you, DC. I tap in. RC. RC, he big, too. He big, and he run, and Roll he up. finishes his runs, RC. I love that. Yeah. He finishes his He's big. Yeah, he don't look that fast, but he right. must be fast. He hey, must he's be fast. Enough. RC, again. Did... Go ahead, RC. No, what do you have going on this week, bro? What are you doing throughout the week before Me? the fight night? Like, are you, are you, are you coaching, wrestling? Um, or are you, are you, is your team yeah. winning? Like, what's going on in your life, man? Yeah. I mean, I'm coaching wrestling and I'm going to Austin. I'm going to play some golf when I'm not working. But one thing I'm doing is I'm about to start making videos. I'm going to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to put my suit on. I'm going to walk in the parking lot. There's a very nice – I've seen the stage and board for how to make one of those videos. I have copied yours enough now to watch watch mine, RC. It's going to be some nice lighting. I'm not staging videos, DC. Just watch. Oh, yeah. It's not good, RC. I see, DC, that's my actual life. That is what my schedule is throughout the day. I have somebody that's around that's with me that has a camera. Why not video it? I, I can't wait till I can video myself going to UFC fights. And it's a reminder to you guys, this is Jimmy V Week. Please scan the QR code. Please give Stuart Scott Cancer Research. We are so proud of Stuart, so proud of what Jimmy V was, and also proud that ESPN can be a part of it. Catch us wherever you get your podcast on Tuesdays. Also, ESPN2 at midnight. I am Ryan Clark. That is two-division champ Daniel Cormier, and we will see you next week.